1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad.
2: For the second straight season, an Edmonton oiler wins the heart wins the Ted Lindsay. It is. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl won those honors last season and the NHL awards, of course, done remotely and through the magic of Zoom or whatever video conferencing service they were using, Leon Dreisaitl announced Connor McDavid as the... Award winner for both of those and got to ask a few questions to McDavid. And one of them was, other than me, who would you like to thank for helping you win those awards? And uh, no doubt, McDavid owes Drysettle a-, a lot of thanks for his individual success in recent seasons. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, eight year deal. million. We'll continue discussing that here in a couple of minutes after I update the scoreboard. NBA game is underway early in the second quarter. Atlanta leading Milwaukee 29-25. Milwaukee is up 2-1 in that best of seven eastern final series the blue jays in seattle are tied 3-3 that game is in the sixth international basketball tonight in victoria canada the men's team playing in an olympic qualifying tournament they win their opener 97-91 over greece we'll get some more context on this tournament with paul sir coming up in about half an hour here on inside sports and uh, at euro today ukraine who yes i am rooting for beat Sweden 2-1 after extra time. Sweden had a player sent off an extra time, and uh, Ukraine scored uh, just before the final whistle to get the win. And in London's Wembley Stadium, England with the 2-0 victory over Germany, as we bring Bob Stauffer onto the show. Bob, you watch way more soccer than I do, but I like watching Euro and I like watching the World Cup. And sometimes I just like listening to the commentators. I'm not going to try to do an English accent, But there was a montage of fans after England's first goal, including Prince William, and then a bunch of just crazy English people cheering. And the commentator says, from Prince to pauper, a nation rises. So much for royal protocol, Prince William himself is punching the air. I don't know if they're BBC or whoever, Sky Sports. They got a sense of the moment, and they, uh, they like to make it sound really, really big.
3: Well, they have unbelievable control of diction, which, as you know, is uh, a really important thing. And there are certain play-by-play guys that have taken... A laborious amount of time to be creative in terms of the art of description and if you listen to the television broadcasts on tsn or frankly the radio broadcasts on tn i mean if you can get past some of the regional dialect that is there for some of you know because obviously we're getting english we are getting the bbc5 in the case of the uh, international radio calls right now it is substantially uh, gifted stuff i mean it is just off the charts and prince to Popper. Uh, you know, this should. You know who should be happy today about England finally beating Germany in a soccer game that matters. I mean, they beat them once and like uh, one year. They beat them five nothing. Uh, Michael Owen, maybe it was five one. I remember Michael Owen had scored a couple goals, and uh, this was back in the. Or this is in the time in which uh, Owen would have been playing for Real, and so it's like the early two thousands. Uh, but they haven't beat West Germany or Germany Reid since in a in a game that truly matters since 1966 and so if you're a Maple police fan in toronto and you haven't seen your team advance to a stanley you knew where i was going didn't you <laughs> hey the stanley cup final <laughs> since 1967 you know it can happen and i got it and, and there's there's a lesson in it and it's the same lesson read that hockey canada the same course of action that hockey canada did after they somehow inexplicably had rob zamner on the 98 olympic team get, you know focus on skill and the countries that focus and germany crashed out of the 2000 euro and had a whole generation of players come through between about uh well i hosted the the world cup in 2006 so between 2006 they they, uh, made it to the 2008 euro final they lost in that game to spain uh byron munich lost a couple heartbreakers eventually did win uh, a champions league title a lot of the german players uh neuer their goaltender uh, as an example uh mueller who missed the opportunity um Thomas Mueller, not Gerd Mueller, who was the star back in the 70s when they stunned Johan Cray in the 74 World Cup, which, by the way, was in West Germany that year. I've always been a bit of a closet fan of the Dutch, uh, just because they're very gifted players. But bottom line, Germany was, uh, has focused on skill, and England finally has focused on skill. It's been a crazy tournament. I mean, the pool of death had Germany, France, the reigning World Cup yeah. champions, and Portugal, the reigning Euro champions, and all three teams are out. And, That's right. and that, that is shocking. So England certainly deserve it. Now, I, I dare you to ask me a question on the Euro at this time, or uh, are, is that where you're going to go down the, we will get to the Nugent Hopkins. No,
2: this games. was, this was the Euro tee up. I just, I, I like okay. the commentator stuff and I, you always take it somewhere I find, uh, I find entertaining. So that, that was, that was good. But yeah, was that 1960s? was that the world cup final in England? 66. England over and, West Germany. And wasn't there England? a controversial goal that didn't yes. actually cross the line?
3: Yes, uh, Jeff Hurst got a hat-trick in that game, and one of the shots hit the crossbar to this day of the West Germans. The Germans will tell you it never went in. I mean, Germany is, I mean, when they're focused, they, they're, they can, they're, they're a country that can accomplish a lot of things. And so from a tactical perspective in soccer, they've always been staunch defensively. Uh, you know, and they've had, you know, Beckenbauer was one of the great players of the 70s. Again, I like Kreif. Uh, he, he Johan Cruyff was a bit like Gilafler, you know. He smoked. Uh, he's no longer with us, uh, but he was part of. Uh, they had a guy named Renus Michels who came through Ajax with Johan Cruyff when Ajax, like Ajax, has had a lot of tremendous young players. They've had development, strong development uh, through their program, and to a lesser extent, and and because they, you know, like Ajax is one of the top teams in in Holland. Uh, Southampton, the team that Ralph Kruger ran they were a team that had a really good development model and sold a lot of their players off uh, to the, you know, the, the big teams uh, in the premier league, you know, the Manchester United's man cities, uh, Chelsea's teams of that L. Chelsea of course is currently the reigning uh, champions league uh, victor, despite the fact that they, Leon Dreisaitl's favorite team, by the way, I've had conversations about this with Leon. He's a big Chelsea fan. So there you have it. So, uh, it's all about development. You can extend that metaphor for what we're watching right now in the Stanley Cup final. We can focus on the $98 million. We can focus on the you know $18 million bucks over the cap for Tampa. We can focus on the, the tax advantages. We can get to that in a second. But at the end of the day, Tampa Bay is in this position because they've drafted and developed well. They're going to be moving some bodies out. One of those guys might end up in Edmonton, but they've got another wave of second and third round picks coming in their organization.
2: Well, and sorry, who's your guy that might end up in Edmonton?
3: Uh, I could foresee, well, if I'm Edmonton, and I've not spoken to anybody in the Oilers management team about this, uh, because, you know, why would they ever take my call? But I I will tell you right now, I fully expect Tyler Johnson and a player, likely either Andre Palat or Yanni Gord, going to the Seattle Kraken. And then I I expect to see one other player get moved. And the player that would get the greatest return for Tampa Bay is Alex Klorin. They need to, they need to, to move out free players. Um, and, and so the other player would be Plot. Plot's got a year left in his deal. So maybe Seattle ultimately picks Plot instead of Gord, who's got three years in his deal. But I could see Alex Kaloran's got two years left in his deal. I don't know about you, Reed, but he'd be a pretty good second line left wing to play behind Ryan Nugent Hopkins.
2: The Nug, a- right? which, which is a, the, the big story today. Uh, I've taken some calls. I, I've got some. T- I mean, here's the thing the the one the one thing and, and look there aren't really a lot of Oilers fans uh, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that doesn't like Nugent Hopkins and appreciate him as a player the discussion I always got and I think you got it too was is he worth six million dollars can they afford to give him a raise so I threw out earlier in the show like, well like what are you going to complain about now I mean a couple of people said I wish it wasn't eight years. Um, but I mean, I you're gonna laugh. I, I was golfing very early uh, this morning, Bob. So I was already on the back nine when I started seeing some of the reports about the deal, and I was like, "Wow!" Like he's that's. I I know hockey players still make a lot of money, and he'll be fine. But that's a pretty big pay cut. Like a lot a lot of people would give up about a sixth of their salary, uh, even for the the comforts of home, so to speak. So I think it's a good one. I think it's a really good one.
3: Uh, you know, I got a call late last night after a show ended from out east. Uh, I was not aware that things had progressed as long as far as they had. I thought we were going to be looking at something closer to July 15th. I, you know, July 17th. The others have to have their expansion draft list in. I will tell you right now, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. I. I to me, this is a team-friendly deal. And I know people say, what are you talking about? You're seven, year eight, you know, $5 billion cap hit." Well, let's see where the cap's at, uh, you know, seven or eight years down the road. There's a window here. You have a five- or six-year window. Nugent Hopkins is a fairly economically priced player given the significant minutes and roles that he plays within the context of the team. I think it's a good deal. Uh, McDavid,
2: by the way, won the Hart Trophy unanimously, only the second player to do that. He got all 100 first place votes. Darnell Nurse was seventh for the Norris and the GM's vote on the Vesna. And good for Mike Smith, he was seventh in Vesna. He got a couple of third place uh, uh, votes. You know, Bob, I, I was, here's the thing it, because I was critical and I kind of mocked the two people last year who didn't vote for Dreisaitl. And, and I know some fans said, you're being a homer. You don't have to pick the Oiler first. And I said, no, no, I'm not mocking the fact that he wasn't unanimous. I was mocking the fact that he won this. What did Dreisaitl win the scoring race by? 16 points? Like, you should get at least a fifth-place vote if you win by that much. So I was, I, was, uh, I was happily relieved that McDavid was unanimous this year after flirting with two points a game.
3: Yeah. Well, Leon had a tough day. I mean, could you imagine, uh, you know, he doesn't get, he got, he came in fourth for the centers and, and then he had to watch the Germans lose to, uh, England. I mean, that had to be really hard for him. So, uh, one thing that is cannot be denied right now, he is unequivocally the best German athlete on the planet. They wish they had a guy, guy as good at him in soccer as he is at hockey. Yeah. 13 points. Try settle one, the scoring race last year by, sorry, 13. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Reed, like, you know, good for Connor and you know you'll you'll still have the people out there well why isn't the teammate they got to build in a support around them and they got to gradually improve Let's face it, Reed, The last two years, the team's come in 12th and 11th. If people had told you that when Ken Holland was hired back in early May of 2019, that Edmonton would be set 12th and 11th the last two years, people would take that. But I understand the frustration of the lack of playoff success. And uh, Connor referenced that today when he was uh, selected the Hart Trophy winner. You know, obviously, we're looking for team success, but we're growing in the right way.
2: Okay, I want to ask you a question then about the roster, and then, yes, buddy, I do have a quiz for Stauffer that you're going to love.
3: Uh-oh. B- but first of all... <laughs> hey, how I... happy are you that Evan Dom got yeah. hired to be the man- the communications manager for the uh, Edmonton Elks? Well, I'm
2: thrilled because uh, professionally, I- he's going to do a great job, and it's uh, it's well-deserved. He's a smart guy, and, and he loves the Canadian Football League, and he's going to do awesome in that role. Personally, it's uh, somebody else I can golf with. So I'm, I'm thrilled in every way possible. Yeah.
3: <laughs> there you go. Great I hire. I didn't partner.
2: realize you I didn't realize you were so eager to ask me that. That's that's, good, that's good, cool. Good for, the,
3: good for the Elks. Good hire.
2: I, I would contend because we talk a lot about the Oilers needing a third line center. I'm at the point, Bob, after watching this past season and seeing what happened to the Oilers in the playoffs and how the playoffs have progressed. I would actually contend that the Oilers might need an entire third line. I've had some listeners write in and say, just plug in McLeod, Benson, and Marody from the AHL. I don't think it's that simple. I think, you know, if anything, that might be a fourth line, but I don't think it's going to be all three guys. Am I being, I don't want to get you, am I being too critical? Am I overlooking some players when I say the Oilers might need an entire third line to take a step forward?
3: Well, they have two guys that can play third line right wing in terms of Cassian and Archibald. In a perfect world, Archibald's probably a fourth liner, and Cassian's probably a far more effective player than he has been the last year. he's got to either kill penalties or get back on the, uh, you know, get back up in the top six. What I would say to you with Cassian is, there's teams that are interested in in him, and I wonder if you look for a different type of right winger and then try to offset some toughness with something on the left side, a fourth line left wing. So let's wait and see what happens. Um, you can make a strong argument instead of Edmonton chasing. Like, we'll see if a guy like Hyman becomes available. If he does, I think the Oilers could theoretically have interest on him. I've had some people tell me Hall's resigning in Boston, Hyman's resigning in Toronto. If that happens, I expect you know, I I I think Edmonton might be better off with three or four players at like three million bucks than a guy at six. You know, we have people well get in on Hamilton, you know, Dougie Hamilton. Well, that's going to cost you seven, eight, nine million bucks. Uh, I I think Edmonton's going to have to replace Cloth Bomb inevitably third, second pairing, left shot D, and then I I I could see a scenario where they add two or three guys at forward in the, in the $3 million range, and they might even move a guy out just because there's interest in Cassian. Do you look at uh, going down a different path, or do you say to yourself, wait a sec here, we're going to need that guy? All right. Here's the quiz for
2: Stoffer. Two questions today, both centered around, the uh, or the jumping off point, at least, is the last two Stanley Cup titles oh, won man. by the Montreal Canadiens. Do you want oh. the '86 year first or the '93 year first?
3: I hate both those teams. Like I'm a I'm a '76 to '79 well, fan. That's but... sad.
2: That '93 team was thrilling. Anyway, we'll do All the '93 right, team first. No. Simpler question.
3: All right, go for it. Uh,
2: where did the Montreal Canadiens finish in the regular season in the Adams Division in 1993?
3: Oh, man. Reid, why would you do this? I will say third in the division.
2: Yeah, of course they were third. Behind Boston and Quebec, who they beat in the first round, Canadians third in the division. They were actually sixth overall. They were – I think the reason they are considered somewhat of a Cinderella team is all the overtime wins, and Pittsburgh was such an overwhelming favorite yes. going into the playoffs, and they were knocked off by David Volek and the New York Islanders, which kind of paved the way for the Canadians to win.
3: Don't remind Jack Michaels of that. That was one of the toughest moments <laughs> of his childhood.
2: Okay, this is a fun one. In 1986, the Canadians beat Calgary in the Stanley Cup final. Yes. Which two players tied for the playoff scoring
3: lead that year? Ooh. And I can give you a hint if you need one. Was it somebody on St. Louis by chance? Yeah, it was two guys on St. Louis that tied. That's, that's what I thought. So Calgary played St. Louis. Wow. I'm going to – was at the, it's the 86, I'll go – uh, Brian Sutter and Bernie Ferdurko.
2: Bernie Ferdurko is correct. Uh, the other guy uh, later played for Calgary and for Montreal.
3: In 86, the other guy on St. Louis played for later played. for. So he, he came. Now, did he get, was he part of the Brett Hall trade? Uh,
2: was he on? The, yeah, I think he was because he won the oh. cup in 89. Huh.
3: He was not part of the Brett Hall trade. He was in a different trade. Doug That was a different Gilmore. trade. Sorry. Doug, but it was Doug, Doug Gilmore. I couldn't was, remember the trade. I'm sorry, Bob. Dougie Gilmore. Yeah. So for Dur- I knew for, I knew Federco out of Foam Lake. And uh, Dougie Gilmore, I will, I. you know, I got to tell you, I actually cheered for Calgary in the 89 playoffs because I was tree planting reed in uh, uh, Manitouage, Ontario, the hometown of Jeff Ward. And our whole camp was from, like, Queens and Bishops and McGill. And so myself, Ashram Mustafa, and Conrad Archer, the three guys from the U of A, we cheered for the Calgary Flames in the 89 playoff series just to – Upset those guys that were cheering for the Canadians. And we played up the Alberta thing and we didn't tell anybody that we'd planted before. So nobody nobody had planted more than 1,500 trees. They had, they had a bunch of softies, right? And we show up on the first day driving three straight days to get there. And we all put in 4,000 trees on our first day. And we're like, we're rookies. We planted 4,000 trees. We're going to plant 6,000 a day here. Of course, uh, that was actually the high that year. Uh, the worst part about planting in Blind River, Ontario were the snakes. There were snakes everywhere, brutal snakes. And then our camp that year was adjacent to a hunting camp, and we had all these vegetarians in our camp, and we had these redneck hunters from uh, Michigan, and they wanted to hang and drain the blood on the bears. Boy, it made for some very uncomfortable dinners during that camp that year. That I can tell you. Back in 1989, Reed Wilkins. Bob, I miss you. This was a blast. Have a good show tomorrow. If you're stuck and can't get anybody better, give me a call. I'll try to. See you, Reed. That is Bob Stauffer, Inside Sports on Chet. Tuning
2: in tonight in this time slot. Tomorrow, Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Canadians and the Lightning. One of the big stories in the hockey world today from the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid wins the Hart Trophy. And to dive a little deeper into Hart Trophy history, it is our Inside Sports stats specialist. It's Michael's Minute with Michael Carsmaker. Hey, Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great, trying, trying to stay cool. How are you, Reed? I'm doing well, staying cool as well, and thinking it's pretty cool. We got a heart trophy here for Connor McDavid. So, how many times has an Oiler won the heart now? It has
4: twelve times. An Oiler has won the heart. All right, and what's the rundown there? Well, it started with the great one Wayne Gretzky, who won it eight years in a row from 1979-80 season to the 1986-87 season, and then the Moose was loose in the 1989-90 season. He won the heart. And then 27 years later, Connor McDavid won the heart in the 2016-17 season. And, of course, this season. And then the German, Leon Dreisado, won the heart in the 2019-20 season. Okay, so now up to 12 for the Edmonton Oilers. That's pretty interesting. Where does that
2: put them in terms of a franchise in total heart trophies? Well, they, they are second behind Montreal, who has 17. Winners of the heart. Wow. Okay. Well, and Montreal currently playing in the Stanley Cup Final. That's right. How many guys currently playing in the Cup Final have won the heart?
4: It is three. It is from the Tampa Bay Lightning. It is Kucherov who won it in the 2018-19 season. And then from the Montreal Canadiens, their goalie, the pad stacker, Carey Price, who won it in the 2014-15 season. And then this was this one was a surprise to me. Corey Perry won it in the 2010-11 season with Anaheim Ducks.
2: Back when he was playing with the Ducks. Okay, there we go. All right, Michael. Well, it's nice to check in. We haven't seen you in a while. Thanks for bringing Michael's minute to the show. Thanks for diving into the heart. trophy we'll talk to you again next time
0: thanks
4: again reed
2: It's the Hart Trophy. It's the Ted Lindsay Award for Oilers captain Connor McDavid. Other awards announced tonight. Kaprizov wins the Calder. Flurry wins the Vesna. Fox from the New York Rangers wins the Norris. England 2-0 over Germany at Euro in the round of 16. So they'll play Ukraine next in the quarters. Ukraine over Sweden 2-1 after extra time today. Baseball this evening. We have the Blue Jays up 6-3 on Seattle. That is in the seventh NBA playoffs. Hawks lead the Bucs 51-38 at the half. And uh, international basketball Olympic qualifying in Victoria today. Canada defeating Greece Ninety-seven, ninety-one, and for a little bit of context on that, we welcome back to the show the boss at Basketball Alberta, also the managing director for Three X Three Basketball Development with Canada Basketball. It's my friend
0: Paul. Sir, hey, Paul, how are you doing? Fine, Reed, boy. I really like how that sounded. The boss, I uh, not to be mixed up with Bruce Sting, Springsteen, I don't think, and I don't think my Broadway show excels quite as well. So good to
2: be back with you reed <laughs> yeah it's always a pleasure to have you on the show <laughs> and uh yeah it's uh, i appreciate you 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 check it in and i hope you're you're staying cool uh th- through all this so uh yeah it's uh, it's a hot one tell me what uh, give me I'll, I'll let you describe it i mean I, you heard me say the score and it, that it's the olympic qualifier but give everybody the context for canada greece and, and what they're trying to accomplish here in victoria and
0: how they're going to have to accomplish it there's four, uh, there's four tournaments going on around the world right now for the four final spots for the, for the Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, you have to win the event in order to advance. So two pools of three, obviously. Uh, after pool play, uh, two versus one in the crossover from each pool, uh, semifinals and finals. So Canada, they have to win four games in order to go to Tokyo. So, uh, Greece is a good basketball team without Giannis Antetokounmpo. I I shudder to think how good they'd be with him, but they gave Canada all they could handle today, uh, leading in the first half, leading for a good portion of the third quarter before Lugens-Dort's defense, RJ Barrett, uh, Andrew Wiggins in particular on offense in the third quarter and into the fourth, uh, with, uh, Nikhil Alexander and a, and several others contributing mightily as well so Canada wins by six uh, it was what I would call a good victory the most important thing it was a victory read and now they move on to play China tomorrow
2: okay so China tomorrow but like you said the top uh, two in each pool advance to the semi so a Canada win tomorrow they're they're through and even if they lose they would still have a chance they'd have to await the outcome and the point differential for china and greece how how does the matchup against china look
0: well china has a good basketball team i don't think it has a, a basketball team that's good enough to beat canada canada is by far the most talented team in this pool they are by far the most athletic team in this pool and what was a pleasant i think bit of a surprise today but what one of the pleasant outcomes of today was how well they shot the three ball because between Wiggins, Mikhail Alexander, uh, Mulder from the golden state warriors and RJ Barrett, they shot the three ball exceptionally well. And their and just their overall athleticism. I mean, you have to, it's fun to watch them against Dort read play defense. And you don't say that very often in basketball. I mean, basketball isn't hockey. You don't, talk about defense as much in basketball as you do for instance in hockey but this guy's kind of especially it's kind of like having a linebacker on your <laughs> on your team the guy is an absolutely phenomenal athlete and a disruptor he emerged this year in the nba as one of as really uh, the, certainly the top defender on okc but one of probably one of the top defenders in the league nobody wants to play against this guy and he was really disruptive against Greece. And I think, along with Wiggins, the big difference maker in the game.
2: How interesting was this coaching matchup to you? Because it was Nick Nurse, who's the Raptors coach, who's won a title. And then it's one of the most successful college coaches of the last, I don't know if you want to say 20 or 30 years, with Rick Patino coaching the Greek team. And he had some nice things to say about Canada in the uh, news conference yesterday. But what an interesting coaching matchup, at least to me
0: it really was to me as well i mean having nick nurse nba champion in 2019 giving up his summer to coach the canadian national team i mean the guy loves the game he has coached everything everywhere and stops at nothing to do his best so you could you could really see nurses impact on the canadian team in the way they move the ball and in the way they look for their offensive opportunities now in the case of patino he's you know, a bit, uh, you know, he's been controversial. that like that's the kind word. Somewhat disgraced, that's another word uh, with some of uh, the in- investigations that went on at Louisville. But he's been in, uh, coaching the Greek national team for a few years now, and he's a great coach. And you could see it in the way the Greeks played. I mean, had it not been for this surge in the third quarter uh, by Canada, Reed, It could have come down to the wire. Patino really had these guys believing and prepared, even though they were shorthanded due to not having Giannis and having injuries to some of their top key players.
2: Paul sir joining us from basketball Alberta and Canada basketball be- before I let you go uh, I had barnaby on uh, I haven't been doing a lot of shows because of all the hockey Paul so I don't I can't remember if it was last so I think it was last week how significant that the U Sports men's championship and I know it's not until March but how significant that the U Sports men's championship is going to be played at the Saville Center it,
0: it, I love it for a whole lot of reasons Reid Number one, uh, having a national championship in basketball in Edmonton is great. We, we stumbled onto it because uh, two other cities were not able to host because of restrictions they had due to COVID. So uh, myself, along, of course, with the U of A and the city of Edmonton and Edmonton events really moved quickly to try to secure this. But it's going to be part of a basketball festival because at the same time, we'll be running our 125-plus youth provincial championships at Saville at expo and in a variety of other locations around the city and there's going to be the first ever trial run of universe youth sports 3x3 so there's going to be a oh, wow. team championship there as well so along with the men's national championship with which on its own is fantastic we, we are going to create a tremendous basketball festival that I think is going to be unique anywhere so Yeah, it's a big deal, Reed, and we're going to work really hard in a collaboration between a variety of groups to have a spectacular weekend in Edmonton.
2: Yeah, I I know it's a ways away, but I I am excited about that. It's going to be some great basketball, so I hope I can get out to some games or maybe do a show from there because that would be an absolute blast to be at that tournament. Uh, Paul, I'm a bit short on time, so I want to talk NBA. We'll have you on again uh, next week and talk about the finals because they'll probably be going by then and some of those storylines because it's as always been an interesting playoff in the NBA too. Thanks for checking in tonight, man. Great to
0: talk to you, Reed. You take care.
2: That is Paul Sir. The update on the Canadian victory over Greece in the uh, basketball qualifying tournament in Victoria tonight, and a little bit more on the U Sports men's tournament coming to Saville Center in March. Paul joining us on the hotline presented by Certainteed Professional Grade Building Materials seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can check in. We'll get to Kelly. Ro- <laughs> He's going to be saying that for another eight years. The new deal today, eight years, $41 million. Average annual value, $5.125 million. You can get more on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com or globalnews.ca. One of the headlines for the Oilers today, the other, Connor McDavid, as I think most of us expected, wins the Ted Lindsay award as voted on by the players wins the heart trophy as MVP as voted on by the professional hockey writers association. So more accolades for Connor McDavid tomorrow, five thirty, special Stanley cup final face-off show. I'll join you then. And then six o'clock for the play-by-play lightning and Canadians in game two with the lightning up one nothing in the series, and then we'll have a uh, overtime open line after that as well. He joins us every week here at Inside Sports. He is powered by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian, try four weeks free. Visit sentinelstorage.ca. Former NHL goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers, it is Kelly
1: Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? Doing really well, Reed. Really enjoying the weather. Um, as everybody knows, it's a scorcher here in Western Canada and kind of enjoying it. Well, you played
2: in a couple hot spots, right? I mean, San Jose and L.A., though, I guess maybe they, they, they cool off a, a bit. I mean, you don't get winter like you do here, but I guess you weren't uh, plus 30 or, or higher all the time during your winters in California.
1: Oh, no. We live uh, by the beach and so in L.A., and so, uh, you know, you get, kind of get acclimated, right? Like, you, for there, it'd be in the 50s Fahrenheit, right? And so we could always tell all the Canadians that were down at the beach because we would have a jacket on and uh, they would be in shorts and a T-shirt walking around and we always do where somebody was uh, generally from. And so, no, I mean, where we lived in L.A., like I said, we lived near the beach. We didn't even have air conditioning, nor did we need it because at night, even on a really nice day, you got a cool breeze off the ocean. And so that was good. When uh, if you would go inland, like if you'd go to Disneyland or, even by uh, our arena, uh, the Great Western Forum, it was smoking hot. But, uh, uh, and in San Jose, during the winter, we were inland, of course, and that was really hot. I found that to be uh, extremely hot. San Francisco, not far away, about an hour away, though, and most people that have traveled there know, even in the summer months, it can be cool in San Francisco during the day.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My buddy ran a marathon there in San Francisco and it wasn't, it mm. was really foggy and then it was quite He yep. said it wasn't, and you couldn't see any of, like you said he ran really close to the golden gate bridge and couldn't even see it because there was so much fog, which is kind of funny. Anyway, uh, no, the voters for the NHL uh, awards are not in a fog because Connor McDavid won the heart trophy. Uh, color me, not surprised Kelly. I mean, get a hundred points in two thirds of a season. I don't know how you yeah. win that
1: award. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. He's hands-down winner, right? I mean, uh, I think all of us marvel at his uh, his playmaking abilities, his goal-scoring, his skating, all the things that to make him uh, one of the best players to have ever played in the National Hockey League. And so it's pretty much a no-brainer. Um, and I look forward to how he's going to change his game again because he's like Crosby and some of the other great players that we've seen before, right? Just never really satisfied and tries to improve in uh, a bunch of different areas, I recall, what was it, like two, three years ago, Reed, where uh, people were saying he's not shooting enough, needs to be a better scorer, think more like a goal scorer, and he did just that. And, and so, you know, there's a guy there in Edmonton that you guys are so lucky to have.
2: Well, and it's funny you mentioned always changing your game and working on things. And today, Ryan Nugent Hopkins signed an eight-year extension, so a pretty good chance he he might be an Oiler for his entire career. And it, 10 years ago, since he was drafted, man, oh, man, and he's gone through the you got to be a better checker and you got to do this and you got to kill penalties. And Ken Holland said today, that's the beauty of Nuge. He can play left wing. He plays center. He's on the penalty kill and he's on the power play, and he's a good leader in the locker room. And I asked Nuge about that. I mean, now you're kind of considered the player that you kept being asked about becoming for, for your first few years right. in the league. And, I, you know, of course, he wants to get better, and ultimately you want to you win a title. But uh, quite a journey for Nuge. And, you know, I was personally happy for him today to get this deal.
1: I was too. And uh, you know what uh, really struck me, and I suppose a lot of people that uh, were watching the game, when they were eliminated in the playoffs, Uh, our camera caught him and uh, it really occurred to me at that moment that it was kind of sinking in that that might be his last game as an oiler and uh, it kind of brought a wave of sadness over me because I you know I think that all of us know how much being an oiler has meant to him all these years and that uh, he was trying to find a way to stay Um, so you know It really, it's a really good day because he's always wanted to stay in Euler and that they're able to make it work. And, you know, he gets a a long-term deal with no movement. Uh, It takes a bit of a pay cut, but nonetheless, I just think that this is a really smart move for Ken Holland and the others for all the reasons that Holland said. You know, he, he can do so many different things Um, Ideally, as I've said many times on your show, I wish that uh, you could have McDavid, uh, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, those three down the middle, because that would challenge anybody for depth. Uh, But it's not always going to be that way. And I understand Dreisaitl has a, you know, he likes to be with uh, McDavid and, you know, all these different options. But nonetheless, uh, just must be a really great day for Nugent Hopkins and his family.
2: Do you think that means something to his teammates that it's an eight year deal? Because of course, as this has been discussed on shows like this one, well, what's the money gonna be? Maybe it's gonna turn out to be something shorter if they can't agree on something and it and it's three years like do you think that resonates with the teammates that it's a max term deal or are players just kind of more concerned about their own contracts?
1: I think more individual contracts. You know, I, I think you're happy for somebody when, uh, you know, they get they uh, get a deal like this and you, you realize the impact it will have on their lives. But I have to tell you all throughout my years, uh, I was far more concerned about my deal and how it's going to impact me and less about uh, my teammates. Although, like I said, I'm kind of contradicting myself. I was always thrilled when guys got a new deal and and, uh, they wanted to stay with our organization, but that was not a priority, especially once you start to have children, right?
2: Right. Kelly, Rudy joining us tonight at Inside Sports. Okay, the cup final underway. Tampa Bay able to put it away in the third period last night. One thing that struck me was that it seemed like Tampa Bay Lightning identified Brendan Gallagher as the Montreal Canadian, they had to go after and get off his game. Chirping, pushing after the whistle. They bloodied him late in the third period. Uh, I mean, I know you got to be physical and go after every player, but I'm just wondering what you thought, because to me it really seemed like they put a target on Gallagher.
1: 100%. And Elliot talked about it quite a bit last night in the broadcast, uh, and he showed a number of those clips that you're talking about but my favorite was in the first period where there was a uh, gallagher was hit along the boards and took a little while to get up the whistle was blown i believe there was even a penalty called on the play uh, against the tampa player and uh and then when gallagher got up and was trying to make his way towards the bench three individual or three separate tampa bay players came over and chirped him. and uh one guy kind of even bumped him i think it was coleman Uh, Not hard, but just sending a message. And so you're exactly right. They've identified that's a guy that you've got to sort of take away a little bit of his will and his spirit, which is next to impossible to do, right? Like, I don't think it'll have any impact moving forward with Gallagher because he's such a spirited player. But nonetheless, I think that we saw what their game plan is anyways.
2: The goaltending matchup is an interesting one to me too because I think Price is awesome. How couldn't you think that? and he's had at least, I think, a bit of an edge over the three or four goaltenders he's faced previously in the playoffs. This one is interesting to me because I think if there's any goaltender that can match him save for save, and he did it a couple times last night, it's Vasilevsky.
1: 100%. Now, he didn't have the busiest night, but in my mind, he made three huge saves. He made the uh, uh, breakaway save off Weber, there's a Josh Anderson save uh, in the second period also coming down the right wing. And there is a mini breakaway by Gallagher and there's a backhand chance. And those were the three key saves for me. I mean, when you put it in perspective, uh, you know, where Vasilevsky is right now, I mean, he's up for the Vesna Trophy. That's four consecutive years he's been nominated for the Vesna and he's won at one. So uh, he does not look down the ice and say, oh, boy. This is going to be a tough battle. In fact, I would suggest that he looks down the ice and go, okay, all I have to do is be better than the guy at the other end of the ice, and I will be, and he would be that confident, and why wouldn't he if uh, he's had all this success? He's a a real competitive guy. I always go back to the year that they were swept by Columbus, Uh, and he didn't say his post-game comments and after uh, uh, the media scrums, he didn't say that. Uh, the team had to be better. He said he had to be better. So it was a challenge to himself that uh, uh, he wanted to take upon himself, and he has, and, uh, man, he is he's a great player to watch.
2: Kelly, this is great. We'll have you on again next week. Enjoy covering the Cup
1: final, man. You got it. Thanks, Reed. Have a great day. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.